HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. This episode is brought to you by One House. Learn more about our comprehensive hospitality solutions and our new app, One House Beacon, at one-haus.com. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. We're a member-supported food radio network broadcasting over 35 weekly shows live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. Join our hosts as they lead you through the world of craft brewing, behind the scenes of the restaurant industry, inside the battle over school food, and beyond. Find us at heritageradionetwork.org. Hello, welcome to All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. I'm your host, Sherry Bayer. We are coming to you live from Roberta's Restaurant in Bushwick, Brooklyn. It is Wednesday, January 11th, 2017. Happy New Year, everyone. This is the 128th episode of this series, which is dedicated to behind-the-scenes talents in the hospitality industry. Today, my guest is an award-winning restaurateur and founder of a new comprehensive booking system for restaurants and more, and I will introduce him in a moment. First, as I do on every show, I will start out with my PR tip, then later we will have my speed round game, industry news discussion, solo dining experience, and the final question. As the founder of Bayer Public Relations, I'm going to tip the show off with my PR tip of the week. So today's tip is to be an innovator. If you have an idea, and I mean a really good idea, then why not take action to make it a reality? Even if you didn't initially set out to be an inventor, you can be the one who creates the next best thing. Developing new concepts can help us advance and make the world a better place. So dare to innovate. That's my tip today. Now, I'm thrilled to have my guest on the show today. It is Nick Kokonis. He's the co-owner and co-founder of Chicago's Alinea, Next, the Aviary, and Royster, where he manages the marketing, business development, and strategy for current and future operations. Nick is also the CEO of Talk, a cloud-based comprehensive booking system for restaurants, events, and pop-ups worldwide. Nick never expected to be involved in the restaurant industry, despite his Greek last name. So let's find out how he became an award-winning restaurateur and more. So welcome, Nick. Hi, Sherry. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Really well, thanks. What's it like in, I know you're, you're calling in from Chicago, so... How's your winter going? We've been we've been pretty cold here in New York. Yeah, you know it's been weird. It's been cold. It's been uh, it was forty five degrees and windy yesterday, so it's all over the board. But yeah, we're used to it here in the middle of the country. It doesn't matter. Yeah, I hear you. We're keeping, we're keeping warm by eating well. <laughs> yes, certainly you have a lot of great restaurants there. Um, I had lived in Chicago between 1995 and 98. So I'm, I'm a bit familiar with your city, but I've been here now for a while. So to start out, I like to find out people's backgrounds and how they got into the industry. And I, I know sure. from reading your bio that you didn't, you didn't, it wasn't, you set out to be a restaurateur. So how did that happen? You know, I met, I met the right guy, I guess. Um, <laughs> yeah. This is a good person to partner with. Um, but no, I, I spent about a decade uh, as a derivatives trader 
Um, no clients, uh, just traded for our own accounts and whatnot um, on the floor of the Mercantile Exchange, but also at the American Stock Exchange in New York and elsewhere. And uh, after I left that business in about 2002, uh, I dined at Trio Restaurant in uh, Evanston and met Grant Ackett. And, uh, you know, just eating his food when he was that age, and it was so wonderful. Are you still there? Did we lose you? I think you cut out. Okay, we're going to take a little break here. So stay with us. This is All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. Well, she's her own. She's her own female. She's her own female. That's why I like her. I like her a lot. And she don't know that she's her own female. She's her own female and she don't know. That's why I like her a lot. I caught a cab to the cafe to play the charming young man. That's when she told me, Tommy. Cuff me to the window, you know how I like to rip tight. You know I like to ride a wave so slowly as the ocean patrol be rolling by. Hello, welcome back to All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. I'm Sherry Bayer. My guest today is Nick Kokonis. You were talking about how you met Grant Ackett's at Trio. Yeah, so Grant was at Trio in Evanston. Uh, he had left the French Laundry at about 27, 28 years old. And he was just doing some of the most innovative, delicious, emotionally resonant food in the country. And I just felt like... Um, it was one of those things, like, it was just uh, a wonderful experience every time I went there. And at some point, uh, I got to know him personally, and we said to him, uh, you know, would you ever like to build a restaurant together? And he said, uh, you know, I don't know what kind of restaurant you want to build. And I said, well, I've never built a restaurant before, but, uh, you know, we could build one together. And so we did. And uh, it was really just that simple, um, but also complicated in the sense that, uh, you know, we neither one of us knew how to build a restaurant, and we were trying to aim very high to start. And so, uh, you know, a year to the day later of that meeting, we opened Alinea, and uh, I became a restaurant tour by accident, but uh, really have loved it, and it's 12 years in at this point. Yeah, so what what was the idea behind Alinea, like the style, like when you the vision for it when when you when you sat down with Grant? Well, you know, Grant had was very ambitious and um and he he had a very specific vision. He wanted to build a very innovative restaurant. Uh at the time, I guess they were uh talking about molecular gastronomy, but uh you know, it, it, we call it modernist cuisine, whatever you want to call it. Uh, he was into experimentation, so he had left the French Laundry, did a stage at LBE, and uh, very much wanted to be the next great American chef, if that makes sense. And so consequently, uh, you know, I, I was very much taken by what he was doing, and uh, you know, at that point, we just sat down, we questioned everything. Right. Well, you've you've I mean, you've won numerous awards. I know this last year, James Beard um, gave uh, a Linea Outstanding Restaurant Award, which um, is obviously spectacular. And um, you're on a, a ton of different lists. And I was able to dine there 
was two years ago for the first time, and um, I'm in awe of, of Alinea and all your restaurants. I think they're incredible. Um, so after Alinea and that, well, after that's running, you decided to open more places. So how did how did Next and the Aviary and then eventually Royster come about? Well, I mean, that's, there's a lot in between there. Um, I know. In uh, about a year and a half, uh, you know, after uh, Alinea opened, Grant was was diagnosed with stage four B tongue cancer, and the the uh, difficult thing then was that uh, I was not involved a operation of a restaurant at night during the period. You're breaking I up a little. Involved okay. Marketing Sorry. development and, and everything else that goes along with running a restaurant, which is a lot. And um, all of a sudden, you know, Grant was. Uh, you know, seriously, seriously ill. And uh, I became more and more involved with the operations of the restaurant. And as an outsider who had done other businesses, I um, worked very, very hard to ask the question why. Like, why do we template things this way? Or why is it that we have a huge wait list, we're doing fewer covers on a Wednesday than a Saturday? And oftentimes, I was humored uh, by my own staff, and they would say, well, that's the right way to do it, or that's the way we've always done it, or, uh, you know, any number of those questions. And then things kind of keep going on as we were. Um, when uh, came up with the ideas of the act and the inquiry, um, both of which stem from my dissatisfaction with the aspect of the industry, um, I, uh, you know, Aviary, I loved going to cocktail places and they really started popping up um, sort of, you know, 10 years ago or so. And what I didn't love was why is it that one guy is doing every job? Why is he washing the glasses and sort of getting his mise en place together and then making four different drinks all by himself or herself? Um, and it takes 45 minutes to get around a drink. Um, and so it seemed very inefficient. And the Aviary was a way to the quality very high, um, but still, uh, you know, run it like a restaurant, um, like a Michelin star kitchen. Um, and then next was, you know, our answer to taking great chefs and putting them on the problems of, of ever-changing cuisine. Uh, and so we, we always had uh, chefs that on a Tuesday when they were closed, they would, they would go and cook for themselves, and they would cook Vietnamese food and, and Chinese food and uh, French food, and they were some of the best meals I've ever had, and they were on par with the very best versions of those restaurants in Chicago, and so I'd always say, man, we should open up an Italian restaurant, and Grant would always say, oh, well, we'd get bored after three months. So we just built the restaurant where we could uh, change it every four months. It's really cool. Uh, I mean, I know you've, you've, you're, you've been doing now uh, the French laundry theme, right? Um, and and I I think it's yeah, it's amazing that, that oh, go ahead yeah um, it, it, that one's really special because it, it coincides with the 20th anniversary of Grant um, starting at the French Laundry so we did a French Laundry 1996 menu and uh, just really really great to have Thomas Keller and guys like Bobby Stuckey and. Uh, you know, just all these wonderful professionals who've, who've gone on over the last 20 years to build great restaurants all over the country, and they all came in for a couple nights, and uh, it's just, it's just, it was really, it was really amazing um, to do that and to show people that the modern food that we're serving at Alinea has its roots in uh, Thomas Keller um, and French tradition, even if it doesn't always look like that. And so, it's a nice time capsule. Uh, it's a delicious meal. Um, I'm sad to see it go in a week. Yeah. So what what's coming up? It's it's an it's one on on Rome, and how do you come yeah, up so with we, your different themes? I mean, I, the French laundry one you explained, but like, what's what inspired you to do Rome? You know, every year we we kind of lock ourselves in a room and argue for a few hours. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds um, fun. <laughs> it's not that far off of the truth, to be honest. Um, it's Grant, uh, myself, Jenner, um, Tomaska, who's our chef de cuisine at, at Next. Um, we all have things that we're, we're interested in exploring or, or experiencing as a diner um, 
or uh, just crazy ideas like our second menu this year is going to be called Hollywood. Um, you know, Grant always kind of wanted uh, um, one of his outlets on a, on a Monday night when he's not working is just to sit at home and, and watch a movie on his laptop. And so, you know, there's some great movies out there, and we thought it would be fun to explore one of those, but then we realized that's very limiting. So all of a sudden, like, we get this idea, like, well, why do one movie? Why not just call it Hollywood and, and, and take inspiration from a whole bunch of different ones? So we, we came up with, like, seven or eight ideas for, for this coming year, and, uh, and then we really go through and go, like, what are the logistics of that? Um, how delicious will it be? What, is it intellectually intriguing? Is it emotionally resonant? And uh, it's, like, it's basically like building three different restaurants a year. Um, and we've done uh, 18 of them now, um, which is really crazy. Uh, and we've gotten good at making the transition and doing the opening and doing the research and development. But, but coming up with the new ideas is always just uh, a series of long emails and conversations. And, uh, you know, it gets kind of heated. Like people, people get in love with an idea and, uh, and then someone else might not like it. So, so we argue it out until we get three that are consensus and then we start working. Right. Well, I could see I could see it being sad when a, a concept to see a concept go, but I think also having a limited time for it makes it makes I don't know gives a different special quality to it that you know it's like a limited engagement. Um, but this brings me to to talk. Let's get let's get into talk and how you how you came up with this this ticketing system. Um, because was it was it with Next that you first started experimenting with it? Yeah, I mean, one of the, well, I guess one of my frustrations um, at Alinea, you know, going back some years, well, it was, it was a few frustrations. One of them was I would spend uh, a couple hours every week answering the phones at Alinea. We had three full-time people back then answering phones all day long, 12 hours a day. Uh, and one of the people's job in the morning was just to come in and uh, listen to all the voicemails from overnight. And you'd have to, uh, you know, call all those people back on the phone, no one left their email addresses, and um, and you'd spend you'd have someone spending a whole day calling people back, apologizing and saying, "I'm sorry, we're full, or we're not taking reservations yet for next March, or whatever the case may be." So there's a whole lot of information that um, was it was dissatisfying for both us and our our customers. Uh, it was very costly in terms of time and labor, and then despite all of that, you'd walk into the restaurant um, on a Saturday night and you'd see two tables empty. And it was just, um, you know, when people get there at 5 in the morning to start preparing for showtime at, at 5 p- p.m., um, and then all of a sudden you've got eight people out of 80 that don't show up, um, it makes it very, very hard to, to run a business. And so I, I was trying to think of any way to prevent this. And so what a lot of restaurants do, as I'm sure you know, is that they – they say, okay, well, we're going to have a policy that if you don't cancel within 48 hours, we're going to charge your credit card some penalty. Um, right. And, in fact, um, because there's no terms of service on that, there's no, like, private dining contract, the same people that no-show are the same people that will then call the credit card company and say, well, I never actually dined there, and they're charging me, and, and something happened, you know, and that's why I couldn't go. And, inevitably, the credit card company will say, well, just issue a gift certificate for that amount. And so then those folks will come on some other day, but you're still out that economic loss from that night. You know, it's not like giving them a gift certificate somehow saves you the, the money. Um, and so it's, it's a really ineffective way of, of solving that problem. And, uh, you know, further to the point, um, it, it, it doesn't, doesn't really encourage the people to, to, to come or to come on time. So I think a lot of restaurants lie to customers and say, yeah, we'll have a table ready for you at 8.30 on Saturday, knowing full well that they're not really going to have a table for 9.15, and you can wait in the bar. Uh, in fact, in a few article about talk, um, one of the, one of the uh, you know, unnamed restaurant insiders said, you know, uh, overbooked and a bar to wait in is, is the way to do it. And to me, that just was bad hospitality. We were never going to do that at Alinea. And so um, we figured out that about 118 people per month either no-showed or partially no-showed. Um, when you multiply that by a year, um, you know, that's a lot of people. So I always I looked kind of to theaters and, and movies and, uh, you know, uh, 
sporting events and whatnot as an inspiration. You know, every form of entertainment except for restaurants um, has some sort of prepayment. And so uh, I just didn't order a phone line for Next, and I tried to talk to existing companies like Ticketmaster and Open Table and all these folks, and no one really wanted anything to do with me, even though we owned Alinea. And so I hired a single programmer, and he and I built a really bad system to do this. <laughs> uh, I say it's bad in the sense of, like, we built it ourselves. We kind of didn't know what we were doing. And uh, yeah, and it crashed when we launched it because there was way more people than, uh, than we expected um, trying to buy tickets to a restaurant. And I had a lot of people in the industry tell me, no one will ever buy a, you know, a prepaid reservation ever. No one's ever gonna do that. And yet um, on the first day that we did this, we sold $562,000 worth of prepaid booking. Wow. And that shocked me, to be honest. Like I thought it would work, but I didn't know it would work. And then, um, you know, it wasn't perfect. Like there was, there was ways that we were doing things um, that were that were not great. Um, but it was it was brand new, and we had to learn. But luckily, we were experimenting on a restaurant that we owned, and so uh, eventually, we did deposit reservations for the aviary, where uh, people just you know put down a ten dollar deposit. It wasn't a cover charge. Um, it was just a way to um, essentially create a little bit of loss aversion. And we took our no-show rate there from 14% down to under 1%. But more importantly, um, we also let people know that we had other experiences that they could buy there. So you, we have a kitchen table, and you could buy that. Or we have a five-course um, drink flight that you can buy, a cocktail flight. And so we went from selling you know, 6 or 7% prefix cocktail flights to having that be 35% of our business. Um, which reduces food waste, it reduces, um, you know, uh, any sort of uncertainty in a given evening. Um, we still take walk-ins, we still, um, we just don't prioritize them. So, you know, you're welcome to walk into Royster, you're welcome to walk into the aviary, um, pending availability, but um, we encourage you to go ahead and, and use the system. And, and we put all of our reservations up on the system. It's very transparent. You know, uh, the other systems charge per reservation um, for a seated diner. And so the trick there is restaurants don't put on their prime time tables and customers know that. So, you know, you go to an open table and says, hey, there's nothing within three hours of your desired choice. Guess again, essentially. And so what you do, you pick up the phone and half the time you get in at eight o'clock anyway. And that's because um, if you had made it online, you would have gotten charged for the restaurant would have gotten charged four dollars if you're a four top. So we've changed that whole model. And um, starting two years ago, uh, Brian Fitzpatrick, um, who was the head of Google Chicago, uh, joined us, and we uh, started talk. And now we are uh, in 11 countries, I think 42 cities at last count. And uh, in December alone, uh, we processed just under 12 million dollars of prepaid reservations. Wow, that's incredible. I mean, it's you know, I've I've used Talk and and I I like I like the system a lot and I like how on the on your website or uh, when you go to different restaurants with with the Talk program it says book your experience and it's a it's a it's a it works really well the new the newer format. So, um my question though is um what happens what happens um is there scalping that happens if I buy a ticket and I can't go to that that evening, same as a show, um, do you have? Are you encountering that? Like, what happens if you can't make it and you've already purchased um, dinner for that evening? Sure. So, we're, what we're about to roll out is a new um, consumer platform for talk, and it will be up to the individual restaurant to just like an individual theater or a sporting event or whatever. Um, and most restaurants will will let you exchange that for a future date, I believe. Um, as long as you uh, do so, you know, at least a couple days ahead. Um, or if maybe there's a big wait list like there would be for Alinea, it doesn't bother me if you exchange that and we sell it to someone else who's on the wait list. So um, the flexibility for the diner is going to be improving. Um, I think what happened when we first built the system for Next, it was just me and one other guy, so we didn't have the engineering team to build those sorts of features in. Um, now we're doing all of that to make it very diner-friendly. Um, and it's really up to the restaurant how they want to deal with that. We're not trying to build a platform which is one-size-fits-all for all restaurants. Um, and a lot of restaurants um, just use talk for ordinary reservations, but then they use it for events on nights like New Year's Eve or Mother's Day. 
Um, a lot of restaurants call me and they say, well, we love the back end of the platform. Like what the consumer sees is only a tiny little, it's like the tip of the iceberg and most of it's underneath the water. And so the back end of it is web-based. It's, it's modern software. It's really easy to use and it's beautifully designed. And it has things like if you're a lefty, Sherry, like everybody, you know, you can say I'm a lefty. And then every time you make a reservation, like any restaurant's going to know that. They're going to know that you prefer a cappuccino after dinner and not tea, that you prefer sparkling water, sparkling water to still, those sorts of diner preferences. So we're trying to use a system and build a system that allows restaurants to easily improve their hospitality um, and do so on a web-based system where they don't need to pay for hardware, they don't need to install wires and old, janky, big old screens in the front, you know, an iPad Pro or a Chromebook. Um, I can watch my restaurant from anywhere in the world operate in real time at night, right. which is really cool. It's just like using Gmail or something like that. Yeah, no, it makes sense. And and what is the, how does it work? What's the fee structure for a restaurant? Is it just a flat, flat one-time fee? Is it a yeah. monthly fee? Yeah, it's a flat software as a service monthly fee um, for restaurants that, that use it for more than 400 bookings a month, which are most restaurants. It's a flat $695. Um, for restaurants that are just using it for like pop-ups or events, it's uh, $99 a month and 99 cents a cover. Um, and then if they ever exceed, you know, the 695, we just switch them over to the flat rate. Um, that that saves just a lot of money. I mean, if you can imagine a restaurant doing two, 3,000 covers a month and paying a dollar per cover plus the hardware lease and all that, um, we see a lot of restaurants on other systems that are paying $3,000, $4,000, $5,000 a month um, for that system. And so it's a huge savings, but it's really the flexibility that it gives. And instead of just bringing in an incremental diner, which is what a lot of people promise, we allow restaurants to sell what they actually have to sell. So for your main dining room, an a la carte reservation, free of charge to the diner is great. But you probably also have private dining and you've got an event coming up for Valentine's Day and you may have four seats like right in front of the kitchen that where you do a chef's tasting menu. Um, we allow all of that to exist side by side. And that's great for both the restaurant in terms of their planning and sales it's also great for customers to learn what a restaurant really has to offer. Right. Well, flipping through, and go, I was going through a bunch of the, the restaurants um, on on your site. And, I mean, I'm a big solo diner, so I always find it interesting when I see there isn't an option for a party of one. And there, there were several restaurants that didn't have that, or maybe there was a, a different package for a party of one. I think on Alinea, you had the salon now that has you could reserve for one because when I dined there a couple years ago, it wasn't an option to be a solo diner. Um, So I was happy to see that. (laughs) Yeah. again, That's the kind of thing that's individual to the restaurant. Right. Um, What I find, I mean, speaking, you know, generally if you're a solo diner and you email a restaurant and you're a passionate diner and you're traveling and you say, Hey, I love, even though I'm traveling alone, I still love to eat well. Um, 99% of your of your better restaurants will find a way to get you in there, um, and that's that, that goes for ours as well. Um, however, putting that up um, on talk and on a website on a daily basis, um, you know, especially that just means I need to find another single diner somewhere else too to to keep things going the same. So we always try to make that accommodation and squeeze a single diner in, which is usually doable. Um, but again, it, it's difficult to prioritize that when um, you know, a lot of these restaurants are chef-driven, smaller concepts that might do 40 covers a night, you know. So missing out on, on that companion seat is, uh, is a big deal. Right. Well, I, I hate to bring this up, but I'm, I feel I have to. I did email Alinea, your group, when I was trying to go there solo. And I, you, I got a very nice email back, but it said that I had to buy the whole table if I wanted to come in. So I ended up having a friend in Chicago and coming in that way. Um, but, yeah, I, don't, I, think, I think maybe, I don't know. I, I think when you have a limited amount of seats, you can't. It's hard to lose lose a, t- a two top for two on one person when you're relying on on every diner coming in. So I understand that, um, and I really like the system where you can you can you can look online and you can see what's available. And I and yeah, it's up to the restaurant whether whether you're gonna um, 
cater to one or ten or or how many people. Um, so let me bring up my question I had for my my um, my last guest and. 2016 on episode 127 it was Jimmy Yui he's the founding principal of Yui Design and he wanted to know how do you see the economics of high-end restaurants evolving with escalating cost of labor and real estate that we see all around us as many as our colleagues and great restaurateurs are looking to vacate did you get that okay so <laughs> yeah um I'm going to get on a soapbox here and start ranting, and this could take your, the rest of your hour, so I'm not going to do that. Um, over the last six months or so, there have been a series of articles that I'm calling the apocalypse articles. <laughs> and that question is the apocalypse question, which is labor is going up, uh, the cost of labor is going up, the Fair Labor Standards Act is uh, making things difficult to move to a uh, service-included model in some cities. Um, in other cities, they're getting rid of the uh, tipped wage minimum altogether, so it's identical to the uh, minimum wage. Uh, rents are going up because of boom time in real estate in a lot of cities uh, since 2008. It, you know, rents have doubled, tripled, uh, and, and a host of other pressures, a shortage of chefs, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, right? And what's interesting is that I'm, I'm publishing in a, in a week or two about a Fifteen to 20,000 word blog post um, with data on all these items. Because a lot of these articles will pick an individual restaurant. Um, there was a big article on Thrillist um, a week or so ago that it seems like every chef on my Facebook feed, uh, you know, uh, posted. Yeah, I saw um, that about one. Closing in, in San Francisco. And I think taking, like, look, I like AQ a lot. Um, there is a host of other restaurants that were cited over the last six months in these articles. Um, I had dinner with David Chang uh, about two months ago. He wrote an article for GQ about the coming restaurant apocalypse, and I gave him grief about it. And at the end of the day, if you run your restaurant like it's 1998, and you are answering phones at a host stand, using open table, not using email to confirm reservations, um, not getting rid of tipping and moving to a new model, um, not experimenting and innovating for your opening remark about being an innovator, um, then, yes, you are going to get eaten up by all of these things. However, they're all manageable. Um, and I will say that uh, the end result of the data is that we have, we have tripled our margins in our restaurant group in the last three years. Um, and our opening month margins of Royster were over 26%, um, with an industry average of, what, 4.5%, the National Restaurant Association uh, said in 2016. Um, it can be done, but it can't be done if you, you know, put your head in the sand and you, you do the ostrich. Um, and what I see is a lot of restaurant groups that are have embedded systems, and they know that their POS system is 10 years old, but they're not willing to change it. They know that their reservation system is charging them too much, but they're worried about marketing. And really, the future of marketing is search and social, and that's very inexpensive. Um, getting great SEO on Google does not cost a lot of money. Putting Facebook ads and Instagram ads and running great social media campaigns is very inexpensive. And furthermore, if, if you can track, if you have a system like Talk, you can track your, your social media marketing directly to actual bookings, actual dollars that come into your restaurant. And so I think what's going to happen is like every industry, when you have a boom time, there's going to be a shakeout but it doesn't need to be you. It's going to be somebody, um, but it doesn't need to be you. And um, we are building two more restaurants, um, one in Chicago and uh, one project in New York that's going to be announced in February. Ooh, exciting. And, <laughs> yeah, right. I knew you'd like that one. <laughs> and um, you know, as, as I always say, people wouldn't keep building them if they were losing money every time they did. Um, so out than ever. I mean, there's so much good news in the industry. Any city I go to, I am amazed at the number of passionate, death-driven, amazing restaurants that are opening. Um, and everywhere I go, the quality of food is, is going up and up and up. The experience that the diners are having is getting better and better and better. And yet, um, the industry is sort of in a panic. And uh, I think that that's one of the reasons why we started Talk. You know, it's like we were doing it for our own restaurant group, but 
every day I'd have somebody come in and want to spend an hour just looking at, at how we're running our food cost operations, which we run very differently than everyone else. So it, it's all doable. Um, it's all a bit scary, but welcome to the world of entrepreneurship. It's always scary. That's okay. Yeah, well, that's a great a great answer. And um, on that note, we're going to take another break here, and then we're going to come back and we're going to play my speed round game. So stay with us. This is on on the industry on Heritage Radio Network. This episode is brought to you by One House. At One House, we noticed that most serious chefs and managers don't hang out in brightly lit offices, so we've launched a new app, One House Beacon, to match top talent with competitive opportunities. One House Beacon provides employers and job seekers with a confidential, direct line of communication to our recruiters without the pushy and annoying extras. We don't send mass emails full of irrelevant recruiter junk. Download it now in Google Play or iTunes. At One House, we go out in the field to gather the best talent wherever they may be. We meet and talk to them like humans used to do back in the day. We are the people people. Our talent sourcing covers salary, dining room, kitchen, and corporate professionals. Drop us a line at one-haus.com or at info at one-haus.com for our confidential, up-to-date, and relevant career options, or if you're an operator seeking a culinary or management-level pro. Okay, we're back. This is All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. I'm Sherry Bayer. My guest today is Nick Kokonis. He's calling in from Chicago. So, Nick, it's time for my speed round game. What this is is I name a couple of things, either or, and you pick your preference. Are you ready? I'm scared. Don't be scared. You're a pro. You're going you're gonna to ace this. Okay, here we go. Eat in or eat out? Out. But my wife can be mad. Depends on the night. <laughs> I love eating out. Okay, okay. I hear you. How about one? First question, I'm already hedging. Okay, I'll, I'll tr- well, I don't know if it's going to get easier for you, but, but, but there's no right or wrong. It's it's whatever comes to mind. Okay, here, um, wine, beer, cocktail, or mocktail? Oh, wine for sure. Tasting menu or a la carte? Tasting menu. How about small plates or large plates? Small. Communal table or chef's counter? Chef's counter. You notice that there's. A, I'm going with. Every, every time that I have a choice like that, I put it in the hands of a good chef. Yeah. Oh, well, that's that's a good way to go. This one I think you'll find easy. How about tipping or all-inclusive charge? Uh, neither. Service charge. Oh, you okay. You can't do that in New York. Oh, so interesting. That, that's, that's unique to That is unique to New York. So for New York, I'm going to say inclusive. Uh, for the rest of the country where it's legal, uh, service charge. Okay, I wish we had a whole show to talk about that, but um, <laughs> to be continued. Okay, a few more. Open kitchens or closed kitchens? Open. The Cubbies or the White Sox? There's only one baseball team in Chicago, and they won the World Series this year. I love the Cubbies. Cheese plate or dessert? <laughs> <laughs> These are the last two. Cheese plate or dessert? Oh, that's a, that's the hardest one so far. Really? Um, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go dessert if it's chocolate cheese plate every other time. <laughs> and the last one: Manhattan, Brooklyn, or Chicago? Oh boy, I, I gotta go Chicago, right? Uh, I have to. I, I thought I thought I you mean, were gonna go Chicago. Choice in that. I, I will say that um, I I love 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 New York. And um, I spent a lot of time there uh, when I was a trader. I spend a lot of time there now. Um, it's there. There is due respect to Chicago and, and all of my wonderful restaurants here and all my colleagues here. There is no better food city in the world than New York City. 
Um, And uh, it's like Disneyland. If you love to eat, um, the choices and and, uh, just sheer volume of quality across every price range and type of cuisine, Manhattan is really hard to beat. Yeah, well, I agree with you on that. I also, I, I mean, to Chicago, I feel the dining scene is so strong there now, especially compared to when I lived there in the late 90s. Um, I, I'm I'm loving the opportunity that I'm having every year. I'm coming to the James Beard Awards and, and dining around. I did go to Royster last year, and I loved it. I mean, it, it's like every, yeah. you guys are doing great Chicago things. Has a lot of, like, so... Greg Backstrom at Olmsted has been getting a ton of press in New York, right? Right. He's a former colleague of ours. He works at Alinea. He's a friend. He's a wonderful guy. Couldn't be happier for his success. And the cool thing about Chicago is that it's so much easier for a young chef to open a place like that just from a cost standpoint, right? From a risk standpoint. So we have places like Smith and the Loyalist that John Shields just opened and Elf that David Posey just opened. And uh, Oriole um, and Noah Sandoval just opened. Um, that's all in the past like six months. You have three completely chef driven, mostly tasting menu concepts that all opened up and are all being supported locally. And so that's really exciting. And I think from that standpoint, Chicago is really hard to beat. I don't know anywhere else where you have so many wonderful chef driven small restaurants. Right. Wow. Yeah, it's true. So um, we don't have that much time for industry news, but let's just talk briefly about this article in the Wall Street Journal just yesterday came out how Airbnb is investing in restaurant booking app Resi. And um, I know back um, in October, there's an article about how you at Talk had raised, I think it was $7.5 million, um, in, in for for it. And so this was a big thing for Resi that... They got funding from Airbnb of $13 million. Um, I've had Ben Leventhal on my show. Um, it's a big, big deal for them. Um, your thoughts as someone, <laughs> as, as a, I guess, competition to you, or is it? Um, it's a little different model. Yeah, I, I don't, I'm friends with Ben. Uh, I'll say that first of all, and I, I like Ben, and uh, he did a great job with Eater. Um, I, I think that Resi and Reserve are essentially affiliate marketing programs. Um, meaning that uh, they're they're essentially giving away a, a listing on a phone app to restaurants for free, and uh, you know the restaurant can can coexist on both Open Table and Resi or Reserve or Book a Table or any number of other apps. And we've taken a very different approach than than a phone app. Um, you know, a phone app is is great uh, if you're playing Flappy Bird. Um, if you're trying to run, you know, a $15 million a year a restaurant off of, uh, you know, a back end that eventually connects to a phone, you can really only offer a reservation, and that's it. Um, and so we're definitely in, you know, competing with them, but we're, we're approaching it from a very different direction. Um, we're kind of taking a restaurant-specific approach instead of a consumer-specific approach. And, um, you know, Airbnb is, is terrific. Um, I think that right now we're... A lot of restaurants, um, are, you know, we have Thomas Keller as an investor. We have uh, Will Goddard and Daniel Hum as investors. Uh, we have Andrew Zimmer. And we have a lot of industry folks that are investing um, who certainly have talked to everybody before they did so. And we're trying to do something to the point about the economics of a restaurant to fundamentally change the economics of how restaurants run. And so um, we're not trying to simply replace Open Table. We're trying to rethink it entirely. Um, Open Table was built to replace a little black book that was essentially, you know, replacing a, a paper and pen. And um, these, you know, they, they've done some innovation, and it's, it's on a phone. Um, ours sits on Google Cloud, and you don't have to download anything to use it. You can use it from your phone. Forty-two percent of our of our purchases are done on mobile devices, and that's really important. But uh, we're moving some part of the economic structure to the front end of the transaction, and that has a cascading effect that's really good for both restaurants and diners. And no one else is, is really doing that yet. So, um, you know, Airbnb is terrific, um, but, uh, you know, it remains to be seen. I, I like where we sit. You're, yeah, you're sitting in a, in a great spot, and the people who have backed back talk are, are very credible, amazing people in the industry. And... Um, yeah, I, I look forward to seeing where it continues to go. So 
we're going to take one more break here. I'm gonna, then I'm going to come back. I'm going to do my solo dining experience. Stay with us. This is All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. Welcome back to All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. I'm your host, Sherry Bayer. It's time for my solo dining experience. This week, it's at Cerveja Ramiro. Here's the rundown. Location, Avenida Almirante Race in Lisbon, Portugal. The concept, an old-school seafood eatery established in 1956, known for shellfish as well as beer. Why did I go? Because this popular place was recommended by many. My experience. So I had been, obviously, I was in Lisbon on over the break, and um, I arrived at about 10 to 12 p.m. when the restaurant started lunch service. My strategy was to go early to get in and avoid a long wait because they didn't take reservations, and it worked. There were a handful of people waiting when the doors opened, and I was promptly seated at a two top where I could see the vast space fill up very quickly. I was given an iPad tablet to view the menu, and then I ordered with my server, who was proficient in handling the instant lunch crowd. What did I get? There were many amazing seafood choices. I went with the garlic shrimp, edible crab, bread and butter, and sparkling water. My take, the sizzling shrimp served in a tiny skillet were rich and garlicky, and its butter sauce was perfect for bread dipping. And the crab was super fresh and delicious. I was provided with a little white mallet used, that I used to break down the crab shells, which was a lot of fun. I highly recommend hammering for your food if you get a chance. The ambiance, relaxed and informal, spanning three floors and noisy by nature. Perfect for seafood lovers, although it's a bit of a tourist trap. Interesting tidbit, Anthony Bourdain visited Romero on his No Reservations in Lisbon show, therefore making it even more popular. Personal fun fact, I passed on having their giant tiger prawns only because I had beautiful ones the night before at Jose Aviles's Barro de do Aviles, which is another Bourdain favorite and was also recommended to me by Chef George Mendez, who gave me a lot of tips for visiting Lisbon. So thank you, George. The cost was $35. That's converted into U.S. Would I go back? When in Lisbon? Sure, absolutely. Their website is Cerveja Ramiro PT. So, um, Nick, it's time for the final question. So next week, my guest is Allison Arth. She's the founder of Salt and Row, which is a hospitality consulting company based in San Francisco. Um, what would you like to ask Allison? It could be anything. Well, first of all, hi, Allison. Uh, Allison and I have met before. Oh, really? Uh, I cool. believe we met at, uh, at Next, at, at my restaurant. Um, so, as I recall, she used to work for Danielle Blue um, at Dynex, and now she's over in San Francisco. So, I want to know the difference between the two coasts in terms of the restaurant scheme. Yeah, that, I do, too. That's a good question. Because um, you, you... when are we going to work together? When, <laughs> when are you going to what? When are we going to work together? Okay, I, I will find out. I, I foresee that in the future. <laughs> so, um, well, this 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 is when you know. I wish I had a longer show that I I could talk with you further because you've really accomplished so much with with all of your restaurants and creating this new platform. It's so impressive, and um, I just want to want to say thank you and congratulations on all of your success. Thank you, Jerry. I look forward to seeing you again soon. Yeah, me too. I will. I will definitely be in Chicago for the Beard Award. So, um, well, I'll, I'll see you then for sure. And actually, I need to give a shout out to Gary. I always say his name, last name wrong. Yes, Obligacion, because he's a friend of mine, and and he's always been so lovely. And when I've dined at all of your restaurants, um, 
the the just the the host the I want to say the hostess of the Moses but he's a host um he's incredible and 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 I'm yeah. just a, I'm just a fan so well, he just had a birthday a couple days ago um so happy birthday to Gary uh he flew out to Napa had a wonderful dinner at the French Laundry and uh he's back at work today so yeah, well, you guys all work very hard, and he does, and, and Grant's amazing. I mean, your whole team is. So congratulations, and thank you for, for coming on my show. Thank you so much, Sherry. You're welcome. My guest today has been Nick Kakonis. He's the co-owner and co-founder of Alinea, Next, The Aviary, and Royster, and he's the CEO of Talk, a cloud-based comprehensive booking system for restaurants, events, and pop-ups worldwide. Their websites, AliniaRestaurant.com, NextRestaurant.com, RoysterRestaurant.com, and TalkTix.com. You can follow him on social media at Nick Akonis and at Alinea, at The Alinea Group. And you can follow me at Sherry Bayer, at Bayer PR, at All Industry. My Facebook page is All in the Industry. My websites are BayerPublicRelations.com and SherryBayer.com. As a reminder, all of our shows are archived at HeritageRadioNetwork.org. We are also on iTunes and Stitcher. Thanks to my engineer, David. I will be back next week with another live show. I hope you tune in then. I'm Sherry Bayer. Thank you for being part of All in the Industry. Bye. listening to heritage radio network food radio supported by you for our freshest content and to hear about exclusive events subscribe to our newsletter enter your email at the bottom of our website heritageradionetwork.org connect with us on facebook instagram and twitter at heritage underscore radio heritage radio network is a non-profit organization driving conversations to make the world a better fairer more delicious place and we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community rate the shows you like tell your friends and please join our community by becoming a member just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. thanks for listening